It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Spurs, your daily San Antonio Spurs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Jeff Garcia, and this is Locked On Spurs. Hey, welcome back to Locked On Spurs right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And your San Antonio Spurs will finally end the rodeo road trip tonight as they face the Brooklyn Nets out in Brooklyn. But, you know, before you even think about the Brooklyn Nets tonight, we got to talk about what happened last night. Um, Lost to the Knicks. Yeah, you heard that right. A loss to the Knicks in New York City. We're going to talk about that. And then to end the show, we're going to be talking about the Spurs' approach this season, mid-range versus three-point shot, and everything that comes with that. And to do that and more, I'm joined by my good friend, the legend himself, Mr. Tony Stark, James Pledger of ESPN San Antonio, and co-host of the Saturday Morning Hangover. James, first thing I got to say is, wow, I guess? I mean, should we really be surprised the Spurs lost to the it Knicks? Was, it was a bad night in San Antonio last night, man. <laughs> and well, then your commanders uh, lost, Spurs, too. Spurs got hosed in, in New York. Commanders got uh, sunk in San Diego. Like, it was just a bad night here, my friend. And, well, and, then, <laughs> and then to top it off, Sam Jackson decides to announce to the world that the Spurs lost to the Knicks uh, to Spike he, Lee. He was a Spurs fan. Yeah, yeah, and he's a Spurs <laughs> fan, too. You know, so thanks a lot there, Sam Jack. You know, Nick Fury. Come on, Nick Fury. Yeah, it was just really weird. I saw... That was him telling Spike Lee and announcing it. I'm like, I thought you were a Spurs fan. Don't you, don't you want to keep that under wraps a little bit? Yeah, no, we're going to let the world know what happened. Not out at the Oscars. <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, let's talk about what happened yesterday. The Spurs got spanked. Yeah, you heard that right. Spanked by the Knicks. 130-118. The Spurs are now 1-6 on the rodeo road trip. Yeah, that's right. The biggest lead the Knicks had over your San Antonio Spurs 23 points hot shooting from the Knicks uh, especially from the three-point line doom San Antonio bench production in favor of the Knicks to the Spurs um, d- despite the fact that DeMar DeRozan had 30 plus points it still wasn't enough the Spurs got another L on the uh, road James let me start off with you um, let me get your take is this something indicative of what's going to be happening in the second leg of the season? That the Spurs simply are just, they're just not it. You know, if they can lose to the Knicks, and as you mentioned before we recorded, barely eke out a win versus the lowly Memphis Grizzlies. Is this <laughs> team is what it is? You know, it's just mediocre at best. Well, they're 11 and 21 on the road this year. They're 10 games under 500 away from the AT&T Center. They are 1 and 6 on the rodeo road trip and going into a team I fully expect them to lose to tonight in Brooklyn who's been playing extremely well. And if you think about their one win, it is a 1 point victory 
in Memphis against the Grizzlies, who have the sixth fewest wins in the NBA. Hmm. I mean, this team just is not good on the road. And I know we've talked about it before, but I think it bears repeating. It's a team comprised of role players, and role players just don't play well on the road. They're better at home, and it's it's bared out metrically throughout time in the NBA. Role players just feel more comfortable playing at home. And when you have, you know, one or two superstars who just kind of if one of them has an off night, you've only really got one star at that point and his game does not translate to the perimeter. So you're looking at guys like Bertans who had a really bad night in a spot start and your bench didn't play very well. Marco Bellinelli wasn't great. So your three-point shooting that leads the league in three-point percentage, when they have an off night, there's nobody to pick up the slack because you're so dependent on so many guys being able to contribute. You can't rely on a Kevin Durant or a LeBron James or anybody else to pick up the slack for everybody else on the team. James, I want to bring up something that I've seen in the loss to New York and the loss to Toronto. Versus New York, the Knicks connected on 16 three-point shots. Versus Toronto, the Raptors connected on 14 three-point shots. Three-point defense has mm-hmm. been an issue to start, I guess, the quote-unquote second half of the season, even though we're well past that. But for all intents and purposes, to begin the second half of the season, their three-point defense has been atrocious. And let's talk about the three, the defense as a whole. Popovich literally slapped himself in the face, literally slapped himself in the face <laughs> following the loss to the Knicks, uh, talking with the media. I was there, James. I saw it myself. He pretty much smacked himself really hard. The videos do not do it justice. Why? Because somebody asked him about defense overall, and Popovich said that they're just horrible. He used the S word, James. He called the team soft. Yeah, and I think this one carries more weight than previous softs in Greg Popovich's past where it was just kind of a motivator to the team. This doesn't feel like that. This feels like it's been an ongoing struggle with them all year long. And I don't know, man. I I wonder how much time he has left in San Antonio after this. You think because this season really does seem to be grinding on him. He's not the same um, post-game, pre-game, uh, talking with the media. And I get it. He's always had this shtick, you know, kind of being snarky and grumpy with the media. But you're seeing a different pop in post-game, especially on, on losses. On losses, he, you know, he's pretty much in past seasons been very short, very quick, you know, and out mm-hmm. in and out. After a loss, the way they lost to New York, he was jovial, happy, smiling to begin um, the talk. And even afterwards, when after his session was done, uh, we were waiting to get into the locker room and he kind of stuck his head out and jokingly said, oh, you guys are still here? Ha ha ha. They're just inside looking at some tape. I'm going to go have some dinner right now. And then Messina follows him. Yudoka follows him. It's as if like nothing. I mean, I don't want to say it is, but man, do you think this team may be checked out already? I mean, it sounds like Pop in a sense that he's just he he's not trying to let the mood kill 
that vibe with him because losses can build upon one another when they start to pile up. And it's a good way to kind of break the tension because pressure usually builds on a team as losses pile up. Look at the New York Knicks. They were asked about every day, and it really seemed to wear on them at some point. Yeah. So you look at it from that from that aspect and you see the Spurs and the way they are post game in the locker room in the media Pop still has a fire in the, like in interviews but then like you said once the cameras are off and everything's done he, yeah. he goes back to almost a, a carefree attitude which is good because it helps to kind of keep the mood in the locker room less tense yeah but there's just something about this team that it it feels like it's all for naught like they're either gonna mess around and make the playoffs accidentally (laughs) and miss out on a lottery ball or they're just barely gonna miss and they're gonna end up with like the 15th pick (laughs) well so well, well, yeah, I mean, I think at this point, it's almost too late to even tank already. Uh, if you really think about it, you know, what, there are 21, 22 games left. You know, even if they decide to use the T word, you know, at this point, eh, you know, they're going to get maybe a mid-high pick uh, at best. You know, they do have the mm-hmm. Toronto pick uh, from the deal last summer. But, I mean, it is it is what it is. Well, I don't think they're going anywhere anywhere down anytime soon, though. Yeah, I know. Um <laughs> Here's the thing, too. I want to circle back to defense. I'm going to read to you and the listener exactly how the Spurs defense did versus New York. The first quarter, they allowed the Knicks 30 points. In the second quarter, they allowed the Knicks 32 points. In the third quarter, they allowed the Knicks 32 points. In the fourth quarter, they allowed the Knicks 36 points. I mean, is def- I thought defense was preached in San Antonio. Apparently not this season. They've been missing a lot of parts lately, and most importantly, they're missing DeJounte Murray this year. Like DeJounte is a great lengthy wing. Like it's really it's really really exacerbated their defensive issues when Derek White is out. Mm-hmm. But even with him back, I mean, look at some of your second unit or even your second. You've got Brim Forbes or Patty Mills or, you know, these smaller guards in the lineup that just aren't very good defensively in the first place. You got Davis Bertans, who's not a great defender. Like these guys, as a whole, DeMar DeRozan, like Rudy Gay's never been known for his defense. Like these are, this is a team comprised of a bunch of people who really just don't care about defense. Or, or even if they do care, they don't have what it takes to do anything about it. Yeah. Um, the, the Spurs simply just don't have the defensive, I guess, horses, if you will, to contend in today's NBA. Um, you, you know, a lot of fans, James, I'm pretty sure you saw, you know, they're pointing at Pop and RC, you know, how dare they give uh, Pau Gasol that deal, that money could have been sent to somebody else uh, on the defensive end. You know, it <laughs> is what it is. This season, you know, unfortunately, it's going to be a mediocre season. Uh, they're still technically fighting for a playoff spot, six, seven, or eight. They're going to be fighting in that range right there. But if, you know, James, at this point, even if they fall to eight or even seven, 
it might be in and out for them in the postseason, James. Oh, I don't think there's a doubt about it being in and out in the postseason for yeah. them. Uh, at best, they're in, uh, what, seven, six? Yes, at eight. best, best. Six is best, yeah. And you still got to match up against the Thunder at that point or the Warriors or like there's no matchup where you feel good about going on the road. And by the way, how do you feel about going on the road and winning any games at all this postseason? Yeah. You're one in seven with a one point win on the rodeo road trip over Memphis and 11 and 21 overall. It's not like they're going to flip a switch come postseason and all of a the sudden their defensive issues are going to be fixed and they're going to start winning on the road. Yeah. It's almost too little too late now at this point. It really is. You know, they're, they're definitely not going to get home court advantage if they make the postseason. And if they do make the postseason, they got to go up, you know, against some of the beasts of the West. Uh, your Thunder, your, 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 even the Nuggets, you know, you can't discount them. You know, the Warriors, uh, you know, they'll, they're, they're going to get smacked up. And then you look at tonight's contest versus the Nets. This is not the same Nets as in past season. This this Nets team is hungry. And, yeah, they will not be uh, having um, Spencer Dinwiddie tonight. But last night versus the Knicks, they didn't even have DeAndre Jordan. And the Spurs still lost to the Knicks, snapping their 18-home game losing streak, snapping their three-game loss, uh, straight three uh, straight losses to the Spurs. By the way, the outside of Dennis Johnson <laughs> or Dennis Smith Jr., who – only reason I know he's even on the Knicks is because he was the centerpiece of the Kristaps Porzingis trade. Who is on the Knicks? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, is there a is there a marquee name I should even know? The closest I can give you is maybe Emmanuel Moutier. That's the closest I can get you. What was he, uh, Denver's fourth overall pick uh, yeah. three years ago? Yeah, Emmanuel <laughs> Moutier. You had a guy, uh, Dotson, for the Knicks who showed more fire on the court and got into it face-to-face with DeMar DeRozan until Patty Mills had to separate them, okay? You had Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, pretty much almost destroying and putting the Bertans in, in, in the grave with a monster dunk. You had one of the final plays for the Knicks where Dennis Smith Jr. hits the bounce uh, back ball on the backboard to a Knicks player in for the alley-oop jam. It looked like it was just the all-star game in Madison Square Garden for the Knicks. I, I think this, this would you say this was one of the lowest points of the season, or do you still think it is that loss to Chicago the way they did or blowing uh, multiple-digit uh, leads? I think it was against, um, I think it was the Nets maybe in San Antonio. I get all those, but I think – when it comes to, and I don't want to say most embarrassing or most disappointing, when it comes to the San Antonio Spurs, you have to look at their road record in general, whether it's the rodeo road trip in a snapshot or just their road record as a whole and be like, that that's what the San Antonio Spurs are this year. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. And if they want to survive in the postseason, they got to win on the road. And if the regular season in indication – that ain't going to happen in the postseason. Uh, so you're continuing on with uh, last night's loss. God, I can't believe I'm saying that. To mm. the Knicks. Um, I mentioned the Spurs defense was non-existent. Uh, the Knicks were scoring 30 or more points at each and every corner. 
quarter. Well, the problem is the Spurs defense has been non-existent for most of the season. There was a short stretch where it looks like they figured it out. But after that, for the most part, they've been giving up over a hundred and something points on the regular. And we've all been like, this is not a pop defense. This is not a pop defense. Pop also doesn't have pop players right now. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, DeMar DeRozan was asked about um, the Spurs defense following the loss. Here's what he had to say. Everything defensively, myself, the team, we need to fix everything. Now, listen to that word, everything. He said it twice. LaMarcus Aldridge, after the game, uh, had this to say. We haven't gotten a good win in a while. A couple of wins in a row in a while. We definitely have to be better. Just lock in and do schemes better. We have to focus in and do things better out there. From head to toe, this team needs improvements vastly. You, you know, as much <laughs> as DeMar DeRozan can put up the points, sometimes his turnovers kill San Antonio, i.e. what happened versus Toronto. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, maybe he was sick versus Toronto, but, you know, didn't really have a good outing. Um, the good news is that I think if you can find a silver lining, James, is that they're aware they have <laughs> issues. So I, I guess what's that expression? Uh, acknowledging your own fault is the first step to fixing things. So they know there's something wrong. They just got to do it now, James. Welcome to the rest of the NBA. <laughs> is it Spurs. just is it just that you, you've been on you've been on a perch for two decades? Welcome to the bottom. You wow. you get drama in the locker room with Kawhi, a, a superstar wants out, and next thing you know, you're toiling near. Missing the playoffs for the most part. And this is what the rest of the NBA deals with when you live in a small market. Yeah, it is what it is. And they they happen to be in the playoff picture despite it all still. But you said DeMar DeRozan said it best. We need to fix everything. Yeah, and you're a part of it, DeMar. Yep, yep. I think um, this Spurs team, you know, they got to turn things around you know, whether it be this season or address things in the off season. Um, even if they did have a healthy Derek White, and I know a lot of Spurs fans love him, and I get it, but he's not the answer. You know, he, he really isn't. He's a second-year pro. A healthy uh, John T. Murray isn't even any answer right exactly. now. Exactly. I know a lot of Spurs fans are hanging on to, well, we'll get DeJounte back next year. What do you really think DeJounte's going to do? A guy who averaged – what was it? Ten points, five assists, and, and eight, eight two point, steals last year. Yeah, like, what do you really expect? To, do you take expect him coming off a a massive knee injury to take some cataclysmic step forward to averaging from eight to fifteen? Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's it is what it is, Spurs fans, and you gotta you gotta think the Spurs have to take a really really hard look at how this team has constructed this offseason and decide what their plan is moving forward because that's that's going to be kind of the deciding factor of where the Spurs franchise goes over the next decade. Well, I couldn't uh, think of a better segue into the uh, next segment because uh, addressing what the Spurs need to do or are thinking about what exactly they're doing right now. So we're going to take a break or we get back. We're going to talk to James about a topic, an idea he has been tossing about, and uh, we'll get his thoughts. So hang on tight.
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back and I'm joined by James Pledger, co-host of ESPN's Saturday Morning Hangover, as well as the co-host of your San Antonio Commanders pre- and post-game show. James, is there ever a name for that or is it just simply the Commanders pre- and post-game show? Yeah, we're just calling it the official San Antonio Commanders pre- and post-game show right now. All right. By the way, I mean, my goodness, what happened to your Commanders? That that fleet, they got they got pounced, man. Oh man, the 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 fleet opened up fires. What happened? <laughs> the, start, the, the Commanders got out to a great start. First play from scrimmage, interception. Very next play offensively, Logan Woodside found Mikhail McKay, also known as, known as Big Play McKay. For a 47-yard touchdown strike, and that's a cool nickname, by the way. (laughs) And from there, the fleet went on to outscore the Commanders 31 to three. Yeah, Um, it was not a a good night for San Antonio. Aside from the San Antonio Spurs loss, the Commanders now dropped to one and two on the season. But if you need more of your Commanders fix, Please, I urge you to tune into the Saturday morning hangover where James and his uh, co-host, RJ Ochoa, they talk commanders as well as their show, the pre and post game commander show on ESPN San Antonio. All right. Um, James, I was a guest on uh, Saturday morning hangover and uh, you brought up an interesting topic and um, do you want to set it up for the listeners and then we could discuss it? Absolutely. Uh, I, I brought you on because I wanted your, your thoughts on a topic that I'd kind of been tossing around in studio, not so much on air until I brought it up with you just because I kind of wanted to get in. So I kind of threw it out on Twitter yesterday too, just to kind of get a fan pulse at I am pleasure. And the question was in the way the NBA is currently constructed with an emphasis on threes and, and getting to the rim, when the Spurs three quote-unquote stars and LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, and even, yes, I'm giving you DeJounte Murray Spurs fans, even though star seems like a big word for him right now, can a team with three stars that are all mid-range-based players that do not thrive from behind the three-point arc is it possible for an nba team to succeed in today's modern nba where there's such an emphasis placed on the three-point shot because if you think about it look at what toronto did look at what new york did a couple of nights ago the volume plus the amount of makes you've got to make your your mid-range at at least a 60 percent clip just to keep up with what's happening from the three-point line. Well, um, you know, I've been thinking about that. And uh, since you asked me on uh, Saturday morning hangover, and, you know, I, I kind of tossed out my first thought was, well, the Spurs have the bodies for that. You know, technically they do. Bertans, you know, leading the NBA in three-point shots. 
uh, Forbes, who's uh, been good from the three-point line. Bellinelli, you know, there's not an off-balance shot that he cannot make from the three-point line. Um, the problem becomes, though, when you think about that, is, yes, the Spurs are number one in three-point percentage, but they're dead last in attempts. And the reason these other teams make up these points is because they jack up way more attempts. Way more attempts, you get a few more makes, and then all of a sudden, if the the Knicks take 30 more, or 20 more threes than the Spurs and make, let's say, nine more, Nine times three, that's 18 more. Uh, that That's uh, uh, 20 more points. I mean, you can't, even if you're making fewer percentage, if you're making more volume despite your percentage, the points add up at some point. Well, here's the thing. I think in this situation right now, Popovich is forced to play to the strengths of the star players, LMA and uh, exactly. Double D. And that is what they're known for. Um, I, I mentioned <laughs> this to you on your show, and I'll say it for this show. I thought there was going to be a breakthrough. And, yeah, maybe my hopes were just set up high. And maybe I was just, you know, had my pie in the sky. Drinking the Spurs Kool-Aid. Baby. Yeah. Um, DeMar and LaMarcus both said in the offseason that that was one of their focuses heading into this Spurs season. LMA said uh, in his social media, that he's been working on his three-point shot. He even put out their video of him hitting down threes. <laughs> DeMar DeRozan early in the preseason said the three his three-point shot is coming. Okay, and then so far this year, <laughs> nope, has not come at all. And LMA has not has been non-existent from the three-point line. Here's the thing. Um, I think Pop may need to adjust either this season, whatever's left of it, uh, to where maybe LMA and DeMar become more facilitators for the three-point shooters. You know, get their numbers, get their points, but try to rely on them. Have faith in these three-point shooters because they know they can do it. We know their percentage is high. The volume needs to go up uh, higher. You you addressed it right now, Toronto and the Knicks. You know, they put it on San Antonio. They jacked up threes. They made them, and look what happened. They got two L's for San Antonio. Um, The thing is, is that when you look at the Spurs three-point shooting core, it it doesn't rise up to the level of your Warriors three-point shooting core, your uh, your your Rockets three-point shooting core. Uh, you, you, it doesn't those those guys cannot be relied to consistently knock down three-point shots consistently. The closest is Bertans, but that's it. Mm-hmm. Forbes can be icy and hot. Bellinelli. He's probably second on my list of being the most consistent three-point shooter. Patty Mills, where's he been? You know, I thought that that that, that was his bread and butter. Not really. Um, they have the players. I just think they need to get more touches to get to that consistency where they can jack up threes. Can the Spurs survive? To a certain degree, I think they can. I think they can. Only if those two guys are on their game. You know, Marcus cannot have what the performance he had versus Toronto. DeMar DeRozan has to duplicate what he did versus the Knicks consistently. And he's been in a slump right before the break, and uh, he kind of has been shaken out of it. So I just think this is just a bad mix right now, James. That's what I look at. It's like a bad mix, what's going on when I look at this Spurs team. But if you look at it, Jeff, 
we we've talked about the players that surround the stars, the quote unquote stars on this team. They're role players. Role players play better at home, which is why the Spurs record is better at home. We saw last night, Davis Bertans did not shoot well. Britton Forbes did not shoot well. Marco Bellinelli did not shoot well. You you have to have some star power that can play on the road and take things and dictate the pace. But when you're when you're the volume of your points from behind the arc are all based on players that just play better at home because they're more comfortable there. I don't know if it's sustainable in today's NBA where there's such an importance placed on that three-point shot. And sure, maybe volume is is, uh, is needed. I just don't think with that many mid-range players in today's NBA, you can successfully try to build a championship contender in the way the league is constructed currently. I mean, look at the teams that are successful. Most of them have some form of three-point arsenals to combat with, and they take them at a higher clip. The Spurs shoot such a low percentage because they they just that's not a part of their game plan because that's not who they are. That's not the way this team is constructed. It's star power is constructed around th- three guys that thrive in the mid-range game. And then the three-point shot is kind of just a faci- uh, uh, a part of that in terms of playing off it when these guys are able to penetrate or get to the bucket or the double team comes on them. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that's good enough in today's NBA it, where it's so offensively driven, which is why I say, like, I get what Pop's doing this year because Pop is just taking the talent he has and trying to play to their strengths. Like, this, this first team will be god-awful if LaMarcus and DeMar were just chunking up threes like nobody's business shooting yeah. under – 21% from behind the arc with them. So he's playing to their strengths because that's what he does. He's such a great coach that he's able to kind of make lemonade out, out of a handful of lemons right now as best he can. Well, that's why a- I say this offseason. Yeah. But the Spurs have to take a really good look at themselves in the mirror and decide, is this sustainable going forward in today's NBA or not? Or do we need to make some massive changes this summer? Well, here's the thing. It goes to my point regarding White and Murray. Those two guys are not three-point shooters. They never have been. And getting them back at full strength, you know, Murray, we know what's going on, and White, he's still, you know, coming coming a long way. They still have him on a minute restriction. You know, they're, they're going to be good defensively on the three-point line. Yeah, they're good. You know, Murray, you know, he got an all-NBA defensive second honors last season before the injury. You know, White, you know, he's been up in that department uh, this season. They'll help in that, but when it comes to keeping up with the Joneses on the offensive end, those two guys are not the answer, James. No, um, the, and that's why this summer, I think, is a big summer for the Spurs in terms of what are you going to do moving forward that's going to be in the best interest of this franchise? Because if you try and run it status quo, you're once again, you know, seven, eight, maybe six seed. Like 
incremental growth maybe next year, but without a consistency from the perimeter as a team from some kind of star player, I just don't know if you can compete in today's NBA. You need at least one to give you consistency from behind the arc on a, on a night-in, night-out basis the way a superstar would. Yeah. And sure, then maybe you can have a mid-range guy or two that can just get into the paint and thrive. But you need one guy out there. You need one guy that's just going to light it up. Because Patty Mills isn't that guy. We see way too many one of seven nights from him from behind the arc. Mm-hmm. Way too many one of fives. Same for Marco Bellinelli. They're streaky. They're they're hot and cold. And their better games come at home. Yeah. The metrics bear it out. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to see, you know, the Spurs under Popovich's watch has always zigged when the NBA zags. That's always been his thing. You know, they're going to uh, – you know, running gun style, we're going to go back to the half court, slow it down style. They're going to be three point happy uh, league. Uh, we're going to go to the mid range game. You know, unfortunately, you know, that work that has worked in the past. We saw that, you know, 2014, mm-hmm. but uh, this so that far was the- when we saw the prominence of yeah. them playing from the outside. Now we tried to zig back inside in a game that was dominated by the outside, but you're not. Pop made a lot of great moves zigging when the rest of the league zags. Every once in a while, one of those is going to blow up in your face. I think this is the one that's blowing up in their face because it's just really hard. The three-point shot is worth more, which is why Pop zigged to it in the first place. That's why he put the importance on that 2014 team, the beautiful game, getting those guys around the perimeter, and it worked. It worked gangbusters, and the rest of the league followed suit behind them. And the the league found out they're right. The three-point shot is worth more. So if we take more threes and less twos, and we're still shooting about the same percentage, the threes are going to add up over time to be worth more than those twos. And and here's the thing, too. And this goes this circles back to the first topic of the show, you know, the, the lack of defense versus the Knicks and just overall – if, okay, fine, if they can't even knock down the three consistently, at least try to defend the three, and they can't even do that, at least in the last two games. They couldn't even <laughs> do that. They couldn't even just run the guys off the three-point shot line. That's all they have to do. Get up on them. Put the hand up. You know, give up a point versus the two-point, you know, bring the three to two. They can't even do that in the last two games. So it's it's just uh, it's one of those seasons. In a, well, in the, Spur, the Spurs help to – show the weakness of trying to run someone off the three-point line because every time you do, especially if you move the ball quickly around the perimeter and it's not ISO-based, you can get an open shot either somewhere on the perimeter or somebody down low is going to be wide open for an easy layup. And that's what the Spurs did in 2014. And they proved, like, hey, you can't defend all of this space and eventually your rotation is going to fail. Yeah, And that's what's happening to the Spurs right now. That Even if they try to chase somebody off the three-point line, the rotation's off by just a half step. They're giving up an open shot somewhere. Yeah, all right. So James and I, we're going to take our final break. We get back. We're going to put a wrap on this episode of Locked on Spurs. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. 
Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back, and I'm joined by my good friend James Pleasure over at ESPN San Antonio. Take a listen to him. Uh, he's the co-host of the Saturday Morning Hangover, a very fun show. As a matter of fact, James, <laughs> I love how you allow the listeners to take control of a segment with your polls. That, that's, a, that's a very cool idea. Yeah, well, it was something I just wanted to do something different. So I went to RJ, and I was like, look, I want to do something different. I want the, I want the fans to feel like this is also their show, like there's a voice here. So, start of every uh, 10 o'clock hour, it's your segment. I put up a poll. I try and get it up a day before. I at least get it up the morning of the show. And I put a time limit on it, and I say, call your shot. What do you all want to talk about in the 10 o'clock segment? What do you want us to talk about in the 10 o'clock segment? I give them about four options, and we see where it goes from there. And whatever, when that 10 o'clock segment hits – the poll closes. I look at the results and I'm like, all right, we're talking about DeMar's return to Toronto as it was last week yeah. or the commanders when they take on the Apollo as it was a few weeks ago. Whatever it is, I just wanted to be able to give the fans and the listeners like some control over the aspect of the shows that he does. Uh, do you want to let the listeners know how and where and when they can tune into uh, the Saturday morning hangover? And as, of course, you know, the commanders pre and post game. Yeah. Uh, the Saturday morning hangover, myself and RJ Ochoa, we are on, on 1250 AM, 945 FM here in San Antonio or ESPN If you're listening around out of the area, you can pull us up there and listen anytime free streaming uh it is from 9 to 11 on saturday mornings and then the commanders games game day of it home games we start two hours prior to kickoff and road games we are one hour prior to kickoff yeah, or should i say first formation because there are no kickoffs yeah exactly i it took me a while to get used to that I'm like um, you, you kind of were teasing me on your show uh, the other day about how I'm kind of diving into a little bit of commander's coverage. And I've noticed in my write-ups, I keep on saying kickoff. I'm like, there's no kickoff. Yeah, you know, it's I'm really like, hard. There's no kickoff. Yeah. It's a hard habit to break because you've had it for so long. Yeah. But um, but let's go ahead and put a wrap on this episode of Lockdown Spurs. As you look ahead at this uh, quote-unquote second half of the season, maybe like the last third of the season, what do you see from this team? I see the same thing we've seen all year long. It's going to be a team that plays extremely well at home that will continue to struggle on the road. They will fall into about a 7-8 seed probably just because of the quality of the teams chasing them that are a couple of games back right now, whether it's the Lakers or the Clippers or the Mavericks or the Kings. And they sneak into the playoffs. They keep that playoff streak alive, but they're likely swept in the first round of the playoffs. If not swept, it's a five-game series at best. (laughs) And you've got questions as you roll into an offseason of what to do. What do you do with this team as currently constructed? How do you make it better to compete next year? Because 
I don't believe personally DeJounte Murray is going to make them that much better. It will make them a little bit better defensively, but as a whole, I don't know how much he adds to the offense. Well, another big question too is will Pop come back? He's in the final season of his current contract. Um, that'll be, I think that's going to be one of the biggest storylines headed into the off season. Uh, you know, but that's again, that's for the off season, but that's just something to keep the back of your head as the season rolls on listeners. All right. So we are done talking. We want to hear from you. What did you think about the uh, loss of the Knicks? Uh, did you throw your TV out the window or, or as James did, um, took a wrench and bashed his computer as he showed me <laughs> on, on Twitter or, uh, you know, what are you feeling about, uh, the mid range game? Do you think pop? Maybe should have zigged with the rest of the league instead of zagging. Uh, let us know. You can let me know on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone. Email me at JeffGarcia74 at gmail.com. James, how can the fans uh, talk with you? Oh, tweet at me at I am Pledger. I love to know because if Spurs fans think that winning in today's NBA with the team is currently constructed, if if it's possible to compete for a championship. And I, I'm just anxious to hear what the fans think because per, my personal opinion, I don't believe it's sustainable, which means the Spurs have to take a long, hard look in the mirror this offseason about how they want to construct this team. And you can follow James at I am a Pledger, right? Yep. Pledge with an uh, pledge like Pledge of Allegiance with an R on the end. I am Pledger. Yep, give him a follow, please. I urge you. I really do. Yeah, he's a great follow. Talk everything from Spurs to Commanders, all things sports. Give him a follow. But for James Pledger, I am Jeff Garcia, and we're going to put a lock on this episode of Locked On Spurs. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 